0: on this episode of This Calling.
1: But I do think when we are being faithful to God's call and, and walking in faith, you can sense that it's right.
0: Welcome to This Calling, conversations about vocation. I'm Chris Arnold, a Christian who used to be an atheist, a software engineer who became a priest, and these are the calling stories of others, where they are, how they got there, and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I talk to the Reverend Megan Farr. Mother Megan serves the parish where she grew up, Holy Trinity Episcopal Church in Melbourne, Florida, where she is Assistant Rector of Pastoral Care. Here's our conversation. Welcome to this calling. How are you?
1: Thank you. I am great. Well, I mean, it's, what, two days before Ash Wednesday, so, you know.
0: <laughs> are, you, are you all ready for, for Ash Wednesday, for Lent? Have you burned uh, I mean, your palms and all that stuff?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, as ready as one can ever be for the holy and blessed season of Lent. But, mm. you know, we're good. We're ready to go. Palms are ready.
0: Do you have your own Lenten practices all lined up? What are you doing this year?
1: Yes. So, um, well, I'm a mom and I have three boisterous boys. So we've been talking about that, um, in terms of what we want to do kind of as a family, what they're doing. So we've just been talking a lot at home about, um, Lent and, um, kind of what our focus is going to be. So still, figuring it all out. But I think, yeah, I think I'm, uh, you know, I'm reading Fleming Rutledge's The Crucifixion and um, just trying to take more intentional quiet time. So, especially in the house, which is hard
0: with three boys. (laughs) How old are they?
1: Uh, Aiden is 14. Um, He is in his freshman year of high school. Uh, Declan is nine. He's a third grader and Cavan is five and a half. He is a
0: kindergartner. Good grief. Yes. Good Celtic Good grief. names. All of those. Yes.
1: Yep. Yep. That was an, very intentional. So.
0: Yeah. So you are the assistant director of pastoral care at a church in Florida. I'm going to put the I link am. to that in the show notes so people can look you up there if they want to. Um, how long have you been there?
1: Um, I came here in August of 2015. Um, and, but actually this was my sending parish for seminary. Hmm. So, um, I was here kind of during my college days and then, um, my husband and I came back after we got married and had our first child. Um, and that's when I, started to discern the call so this was my my sending parish for seminary and then I was away um, for three years finishing seminary and serving two years in a curacy in New Jersey um, and this position um, sort of fell into my lap and um, I ended up interviewing for it and uh, accepting the call to come and serve here so we moved back to Melbourne in 2015. Okay: That's a lot to unpack in like a second.:
0: <laughs> It is because I mean, normally when, when I'm asking these questions, what I do is kind of go linearly kind of where you <laughs> are now and then how you got there, but you've wrapped it around already. so Sorry. that's the, no, it's great. So what uh, So you were at college there in Melbourne or somewhere nearby?: No,
1: in Gainesville, I went to University of Florida. Yep. That's where I met my husband. And, um, we, uh, graduated from there in 2003 and then kind of did some back and forth, um, and, um, ended up kind of settling back into Melbourne. Well, I say back, it was back for me. I'm from, you know, i from Melbourne, um, but my husband's from South Florida. Um, so we ended up back in, back here, um, in early 2005 and we were expecting our first child, Aiden, Um, in June. So we, um, we kind of just ended up putting down roots here and, and finding jobs. And I had gone to Holy Trinity, um, off and on, um, through, through high school and college. Um, and, um, and so when we moved back here, um, I just kind of fell back into attending church here. So
0: so um, what yeah. what was college? What what did you study at college?
1: Um, I was a history major at the University of Florida, Go Gators, um, and um, really thought that my uh, would my kind of focus would end up being um, history and archaeology. I'd done work in that when I was in uh, in college, um, and planned to go to graduate school. Um, and yeah, I thought I would end up, you know, teaching, teaching history, archaeology, that kind of thing. And, you know, life is funny. Uh, Daniel and I got married. Daniel's my husband. Um, we got married, uh, the end of our senior year of, of college. Um, and you know, you, you bounce around and you try a couple of different things when you're first out of school and, nothing was kind of working out right so we thought all right let's let's just kind of settle down for a little while work we were suddenly expecting a baby and um yeah so we came back to melbourne and he was working and i was working for a little non-profit locally here and i'm um, just kind of going to church and you know being with our friends and our family and and um but you know things were Things never seemed like they were quite right. Huh. You no. Know, it was it was fine, but I just kind of never really felt like I was settling into what I was supposed to be doing.
0: Interesting. <laughs> but you had a lot going on, like you had just graduated. You had a baby mm-hmm. on the way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we, so we graduated in 2003 and then we moved up to Pennsylvania for a little while. Um, I was going to go to, um, to Villanova for my master's Mm -hmm. up there. Um, and, um, we, uh, made the mistake of trying to move in with my sister and her husband and their three kids. And um, I mean, I shouldn't say mistake. You know, it's one of those things you try. But you know, we're newlyweds. They're an established family of five with a busy life and schedule. And so, um, so yeah. uh, we we were living there for a little while, and just like oh, this is not really working out. So well. <laughs> hmm. it was just it was just kind of crazy. And I think for my my poor husband, who'd never, you know, had this was all new to him. This kind of instant family and all of that and so he you know so um we we did that for a little while and then just decided you know it's uh um maybe not <laughs> so we ended up moving back to to florida um and um and we're in gainesville again for a little while um and then uh ended up back in melbourne once we found out aiden was on the way thinking okay <laughs> You really need some permanent jobs now and it'll be good to be around family, um, when the baby's coming. And, uh, so, so that's what got us back to Melbourne and, um, yeah.
0: But something just didn't quite feel.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I went to work uh, a little after Aiden was born for a nonprofit, um, substance abuse prevention, um, and was there for, Uh, five years. Um, and over the course of those five years, I took some classes, um, uh, education classes to, you know, was thinking about getting my teaching certificate. Um, you know, looked at a lot of different things and, um, you know, just kept thinking this is not right. And, you know, just nothing ever really felt like it was, um, really where I was supposed to be. I just kind of felt like I was kind of going through the motions and mm. we wasn't a bad life. You know, we, we bought a house and we had Aiden and we had friends and family in the area and Daniel was working, um, as a chef, which is what he had been doing through most of college. Um, and, uh, as well. So, um, yeah, so it just, but you just, there was this sense that. I don't really
0: feel like I'm on the right track, if that hmm. makes sense.: Did that feel frustrating, or was it just kind of were you just a kind of aware of this like nagging sense that you're not where you're supposed to be yet? but yes. like it doesn't you know, but the days are okay, and yeah, like you had a new baby to deal with, and mm-hmm. that's yeah. always a handful.
1: Right, right. So, um, you know, it would, it would have moments of frustration, particularly, you know, when you're, when you're at work and, and there's this, and you get, you know, you get frustrated with something and, um, and you think to yourself, is this really right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, but I think more, more, it was just this kind of background feeling you know, that would pop up now and again, and particularly huh, when I would be at church. Um and um and and I had I guess I should I guess I should add in that um when I was um at in college doing my undergraduate degree, um I was working part-time as an assistant youth director at a church in Gain, at an Episcopal church in Gainesville. Um and I had already sort of sensed that there was a call to go to seminary. Um,
0: uh,
1: I had gone on a youth leaders retreat weekend um, and, and really felt like that that was what God was calling me to do. And then got back to UF and went, yeah, no, I don't think so. Lord (laughs) remember all these plans I have. So I think that was always in the back of my mind, like I was kind of ignoring <laughs> and trying a little too hard to, you know, keep my life on the trajectory that I had set for it, um, you know, when I started college and, and when I started thinking about the future and, and career and all of that. So um, one very much, uh, I'm going to keep this thing on this road. <laughs> No matter what.
0: So what was your, what was the shape of your religious life at this point? You were active uh, in church, but
1: Mm -hmm. there there
0: are different kinds of activity, you know what I mean?
1: Right, right. So, um, I, I grew up in the Episcopal church. I know people don't like the C word, but, um, the cradle Episcopalian. Uh, so I've invented a new term. I call it womb Episcopalian. Um, because, because, you know, my mother likes to joke, I had you on a Sunday and you were in church the next Sunday. And I think, wow, really seven days old. I was in church mom, but she says I was, so who am I to argue?
0: Um, I'm not going to call your mom a liar. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, so yeah, so I have spent my whole life in the church. Church is, my parents were both very active and involved in the church from, um, the Curcio movement to worship, um, choir, they had a singing group, um, you name it. This was all, um, in the diocese of Rhode Island In in Rhode Island, that's where I was born and, and lived the first seven years of my life. And then we moved to Florida. Um, so, uh, during this time I'm, you know, kind of doing what I've always done in church, which is finding ways to be involved, um, teach Sunday school. I, um, was a lector. I became a lay Eucharistic minister. So, um, you know, after Aiden was born, we, I just kind of kept up that involvement and, um, you know, teaching vacation Bible school and doing all the, those kinds of things. Um, so I was involved and, and, um, I think it was, as I said, those times at church where I most particularly felt like, Hey, remember, remember,
0: what did what did those moments feel like uh, emotionally if you um, can reach back <laughs> that far and and tap you know, into it
1: yeah I guess I I mean I think it was a mixture of things I think it was um very much uh, I, I, it's weird to say that church is a part of your DNA, but I guess for me, it, in, in many ways, it feels like that because it's so much, my, my earliest memories are all having to do with um, church or faith community, um, those kinds of things. And so I've always found being in church um, a, a source of comfort and uh, strength and reassurance. So I think when I I would be sitting there, um, you know, either on the altar serving or just in the congregation, um, there would sometimes be a, a sense of like, well, come on, this just feels so natural. Why, you know, why won't you listen to this call? And then other times it would still be that, yeah, I, I can't really do that. I can't, I can't be a priest. I can't, you know, um, that's, you know, that's not for me. Um, I'm a mom now and I've, you know, have these career thoughts and, you know, all of the, what would that be like? So I think it was kind of a, I think it was very much a a push and pull, you know, Mm. in terms of my internal dialogue sometimes with it.
0: So uh, there you are working at a job that you don't feel all that connected to, I'm guessing. It's mm-hmm. just, it's fine. You've got a toddler, uh, and then, then, then what happens? So then you start.
1: Yeah. So, somehow
0: good. you wind up at seminary. What is that <clears throat> position? Like. So,
1: um, you know, working for a nonprofit means that um, your job can be ever-changing. We wear many different hats, and it really depends on the grant funding in terms of, you know, what you're doing at any particular point. So I was, I was working um, under a, a grant. Um, this would have been um, the fall of 2008. So a three-year-old at home, and um, we've been living in our house that we bought for a little over a year. Um, and, um, and so I'm, I'm in a really kind of tough new position, um, in terms of just, just a lot of moving parts and, you know, um, so I I just remember that there was one night where I could not sleep, you know, like, have you ever seen that joke? Um, it's like a meme and it's the person laying down on the memory foam mattress. So it's like spouting out all the Mm -hmm. things. <laughs> like every crazy memory, so it, it was probably a night that felt a lot like that, like every weird random thought was going through my head, so um, I decided that i the sleep was pointless at the moment, so um I kind of got up and i got um I had a forward day by day um sitting near my bed, um so I decided all right i'm just gonna I'm gonna read through uh the readings for today which happened to be, um, the feast of St. Andrew. Um, uh, so it was November 30th and, um, and, you know, I just got to the gospel passage and it's Jesus calling, you know, Andrew and Peter and James and John. And, and, you know, I just read that follow me and I was like, Oh, okay. You know, it was just like this just smack upside the head, you know, I. I mean, if if God had been sitting next to me, if the Holy Spirit was just like taking the Bible and like smacking me upside the head, you know, it couldn't have been more obvious. So, I mean, I think it was like eleven or twelve o'clock at night, and I got up and I sent an email that moment to um, uh, the rector. Um, and actually, um, Holy Trinity has had and has um, co-rectors, um, husband and wife that are the, you know. Uh, rectors head priests of the parish. So I sent Reverend Pam um a very long email just saying, you know, I'd I'd love to sit down and and talk with you. I've got all these different thoughts going through my head and um, you know, feeling like maybe there's a call to seminary or something. And um could we meet? So she emailed back and said, yeah, let's do it. So uh, a few days later, we got together and, and started talking about what I was feeling and this sense of calling when I'd kind of first experienced it, and um, uh, and that that kind of kicked off the the discernment process. So that was December of of two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. and um, in Central Florida, uh, the way it kind of works. When you're discerning a call um, to ministry, uh, to ordination, um, they start with what's called the conference on ministry. And that usually happens around September. So I had already um, missed the conference on ministry for that year, which actually I think was a blessing because then it kind of gave me, you know, another eight or nine months to really um, pray about and talk about what this might be and, and to kind of um, talk with my husband and, um, you know, just other people in my life, continue to meet with Pam and talk with her about what this, this could look like and um, what this process might involve of, of discerning a call to, to ministry and, and seminary and how that might all work, you know, as a family with a house and a kid and jobs and, and that sort of thing.
0: So, so did that eight or nine months feel like uh, a series of struggles and hurdles to jump over or did things no. feel like they fell into place pretty smoothly?
1: Oh yeah. Almost immediately things kind of started falling into place. Um, I actually ended up um uh, switching into a different, a different grant at work. And, and so things mm-hmm. were kind of going really well there. And, um, and I just, uh, tried to be more involved, not that I wasn't already very involved at church, but, but even more so with trying some different things and, um, you know, and, and it was funny cause I remember the hardest thing was, um, thinking about telling my husband, like, hey, <laughs> I've, I've had this wild thought, you know, um, because I didn't know what it would entail as far as, um, you know, how how our lives would be impacted. I mean, I knew they would be impacted in, in a significant way, but what would that look like in terms of, would we be going off somewhere and and what would it mean as far as jobs and all of that? And so, um, but I remember we went, um, we kind of had like a date night to Barnes and Noble. That's our, that's our favorite date night place. It's
0: an awesome place for a day. Wild and
1: crazy. Um, <laughs> no one appreciates Barnes and Noble alone until you've gone there with children. And then you Ooh. think, uh, Barnes and Noble is a great date night place because it's so much harder to go there with kids. Um, so we we kind of had this date night to Barnes and Noble and I said, you know, um I've I've sort of felt this kind of calling maybe to to seminary and and to the priesthood and I talked with Pam about it and and you know, here's what came out of that and and he just looked at me and he said, "Well, you were working in the church when I met you, so I guess I've kind of always pictured you that way." Oh. So, um
0: sometimes so, yeah. you're the last to know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Did, so was your was your sense of calling to seminary or specifically to the priesthood or um, to ordained life or you're still trying to figure out
1: I think I think when I initially heard the calling I I very clearly felt a calling to go to seminary hmm. but I guess for me that um I guess I, I just automatically, my mind went to the priesthood, probably just because of, you know, how I'd grown up in the Episcopal church. And, and actually early on, um, I, we did not, I didn't know as much about the diaconate. I didn't there, when we first moved to Florida and I, I, don't, I, I don't really have any memory of, of Rhode Island at all. But when we first moved to Florida, um, we didn't really even always have a deacon in our church. At the time, um, and um, so I guess I I knew some, but not a lot, and um, so I think my first thought was, "Well, seminary means priesthood."
0: Hmm. So that eight or nine months passes, and you get to the what did you conference call it? The on conference ministry. on ministry.
1: Yep. So fall two thousand nine. So I I do that. And it's kind of like a, a day long thing. Um, you know, it's one of the, one of the churches in the diocese will host it. And then, um, you, they kind of do different discussions. So, um, someone who's very active in lay ministry will get up and talk about, you know, um, all the different ways you can be involved in lay ministry and, you know, and why they really felt a calling to, to not be ordained, but to stay in lay ministry, and then we had, um, uh, you know, a deacon speak, and then a priest speak, and then we kind of broke up into these small groups based on what you were kind of feeling like you might be called to, whether it was lady, um, diaconate, or priesthood. Um, and then, um, so I remember all of us that were thinking priesthood went and sat with the canons of the ordinary, and um, kind of talked about you know, seminaries and, and just all of the, how the process worked. And uh, we were given this packet of questions that we had to go through um, and uh, fill out and they had, and then we had to send them back to the commission on ministry. Um, And then they assigned you uh, a commission rep, a representative from the commission on ministry, who worked with you and with your home parish to set up a discernment committee within your parish. So that was kind of the next big step. Once I'd sent that packet in, I had a commission on ministry representative and he worked with, uh, Reverend Pam to establish, um, folks from the parish that would serve on this discernment committee. And then we spent the next several months kind of meeting and talking and um, uh, discerning together really what uh, the call might be. Um, And then they make a recommendation to the commission on ministry. Um, They could recommend yes. They could recommend no. They could recommend yes, but we think, you know, well, she's feeling called priesthood. We think diaconate, or we think not right now. So so there's a lot of different things that can come out of that. But obviously, <laughs> we're here and we're talking. So they recommended, yes, that I should continue to um, uh, discern this call to the priesthood. And so once all of that happens, then you are invited to Backham Weekend, which stands for Bishop's Advisory Council on Aspirants to the Ministry or something like that. Okay. Um, and that's at our uh, retreat center um, outside of Orlando, our diocesan retreat center. So that's, that is a weekend of uh, interviews and questions and bearing your soul <laughs> to people along with your spouse. So Daniel, Daniel had the joy of <laughs> being a part of that with me.
0: Did he find it a joy?
1: No, he didn't. Well, (laughs) I shouldn't say no, not complete. I mean, (laughs) you know, I think, I think it was, um, I mean, really the, the, at the, uh, the candidate as it were does most of the talking. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but spouses, you know, they, they want to know, they need to know that spouses understand and they're kind of on board with all of this too. So, um, He, he's, he, I am definitely the extrovert and he is definitely the introvert. So, um, any, any time we have to do those kind of long, you know, (laughs) discussion sessions with, with other people, he's, then I got to give him like two weeks to recover (laughs) before he gets pulled into something again. So, although he's probably getting used to it by now.
0: So, So, um. Did you generally find the process uh, helpful, pleasurable, annoying? Um,
1: (laughs) I I definitely found it helpful. I've always thought, you know, I I don't know how it works in in all other dioceses. Um, My little bit of experience um, in the world beyond is I've always felt like we have a a pretty good process here in Central Florida. Um, And, um, you know, it's certainly made me think in so many different ways, you know, having to, um, really think about my, my spiritual biography, as it were, my life in the church and, and, um, uh, you know, was really good. Um, and I think the conversations that I had at the Backham weekend were very helpful. Um, And, um, yeah, so I, I think it, I think it was a good process, you know, it's, it's long and I think that's a good thing, um, in, in the way that it all kind of shaped out for me because there was certainly a lot of time to, um, to pray and to think and to talk with other people and to kind of be prepared as much as one can be for, um, for, you know, kind of all of the, the next things in, in the process.
0: Nearly everybody that I've talked to, and it's my experience as well. Um, we're all impatient while we're in it. Like we just, like I feel called, why don't you all get on board of that? And let me go to seminary already. But then looking back on it, we realized that, Oh yeah. Like I needed that time to uh, marinate in that question. And um, And then like on the eve of ordination you say wow i'm not ready yet i could use another three or four years of of preparation
1: oh yeah i still feel like that like uh let me can i go back to school and (laughs) and (laughs) learn some things
0: yeah so speaking of school so then you eventually went off to seminary did you go to an episcopal church seminary or
1: um eventually um, at the time, um, Central Florida had a working relationship with Asbury Seminary, um, which is a Methodist United Methodist Seminary. Um, main campus is in Lexington, Lexington Kentucky, uh, but there was a satellite campus in Orlando. Um, and um, with a home and my husband had a job, I ended up quitting work once I had been accepted into seminary. Well, not right away, but just before starting seminary, um, I ended up leaving my job so that I could kind of focus on that, um, and, um, and do all that. And <laughs> as God is so humorous, um, in the midst of all of this, probably within days of getting the Bishop's approval to go to Asbury, we found out we were expecting our second child. Oh. So you know, it was one of those like, well, you know, this is probably why we we just have Aiden right now, because this is going to be, you know, a big thing, a big transition in our lives. And so um, so it's probably good that we just have the one. Wait, what? Oh, no, two. <laughs> so, um yeah, so. We um, So we looked at Asbury and, and just kind of decided that in the beginning that would be a good option. There were two Episcopal priests on staff at the time there, both teaching and um, uh, mentoring and shepherding the little crop of Episcopal students that were at Asbury in Orlando um, that were basically all from around central Florida. We're all um, a postulants within the, our diocese. Um, and it was a it it was a commuter school. So we um, basically went in for classes at various points throughout the week um, and didn't live on campus. We stayed in our own homes, wherever those were. So, um, yeah, so that was really great. And um, but then they were sort of starting to allow some students to complete all three years there with the caveat that then you would do kind of your Anglican studies here at an Episcopal seminary. And I thought to myself, why would I add another year on (laughs) to schooling? So, um, you know, so I always figured that third year I would end up going away. Um, and I had, um, Probably, at the end of my first year of seminary, um, started looking at options and really was kind of feeling a tug to Neshota House, I guess mainly because I had had the most experience with priests that had been there. Um, and um, uh, so when I met with the Canon to the Ordinary to talk about seminary, you know he had said, "I really think if it's doable, you should you should go away for your third year." um, to, uh, a uh, sleep away seminary as he called it. <laughs>
0: Plus what anyone from Florida needs is at least one year living in a Wisconsin winter.
1: Exactly. Um, exactly. Although funny enough, I think the year after we left was like a record winter. <laughs> so, so my husband always says, you know, anybody can handle anything for a season and ours was the good season to be there.
0: <laughs> it's been a pretty good winter here this year um knock on wood there's still probably two months left of it (laughs) right
1: right i know how i know how uh, march and april can end up being yeah um so we my husband and i went up there and uh, we went for an experience nishuda uh weekend in march of 2012 and um we, we picked up our rental car at the Milwaukee airport, which I have to say is by far hands down my favorite airport. It's a great um,
0: little airport, isn't it?
1: It's just, it's everybody's so sweet. There's like, you know, there's a big, that, that piano, there's always somebody playing the piano and
0: Did you know, they have they, the ping pong table in the middle yeah, of the yep, terminal ping pong table, yeah.
1: used bookstore. Yes. Yeah. It's great. I love it. We love, we love the Milwaukee airport. I always just, in and out. It's so great. Um, so we picked up our rental car. We this drove- episode
0: brought to you by Mitchell <laughs> International Airport in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Anyway, also <laughs> we
1: we have we have um we have a couple that we're really good friends with. And um, hey Ted and Amanda, if you ever listen to this. Um and uh they're Amanda grew up in, in Wisconsin, so she was so excited that we and she's a huge Green Bay fan. And my husband and I are Chicago Bears fans. So um, don't ask me how we ended up friends with them. It I really say that this is the kingdom in action when mm. Green Bay fans and Bears fans can can be such good friends and said Bears fans can ask Green Bay fans to be godparents of their youngest child. Wow. You know, that's, yeah. That is kingdom love in action.
0: Well, our bishop, Bishop Matt Gunter here in the Diocese of Fond du Lac, he grew up as a Bears fan and he's our bishop and we love him. <laughs> <laughs> so ah.
1: Uh-uh. Also why I like Bishop Hunter, <laughs> but um, yeah, so we, uh, so we, yeah, we get in, we're in the airport and my husband looks around and he's like, I really feel like there should be a cow standing here with a plate of cheese or something to welcome us as we get off our flight.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, at no the Appleton problem. airport, which is the one closest to me, there is a, like the one store in the, it's a very, it's like one of those airports that has like four gates and there is mm-hmm. one store. And the store says, like gifts, cheese. Those are the two <laughs> words above the entrance of the store. Exactly. Um, and yeah, they have a big cooler of different kinds of cheeses and cheese curds and string cheese and cheddar yep. and all everything kinds of stuff that you can bring with yep. you to your uh, to your relatives who no longer live in Wisconsin.
1: Yep we um, we did bring cheese curds home
0: as a matter of yeah. fact.
1: Yeah. So and in fact I think that was like one of the first things that we ate when we came to Wisconsin was um there's this great place um in Delafield that all the Neshota students um, go to now and again called uh, Revere's. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we went there and had cheese curds because we'd heard so much about the cheese curds, we just had to have them. So um but yeah, so we, we drive to Neshota and we we pull in and we drive down to family housing, which is where they were putting us up for Uh, for our time there. And um, uh, in fact, we, we saw a student sitting outside and uh, his name is Christian Signoni. He was one of the um, first students we met and I I just saw him uh, two weekends ago and I was telling him this story. I said, you know, Christian, when Daniel and I pulled in, you were sitting outside, you were reading a book in a, in a chair on the lawn. And um, one of his daughters was riding her little tricycle around And Daniel and I pulled in and we went, yeah, we're home. This is, this is it. We just, we both knew, we both felt it almost immediately. Um, And so we, uh, we kind of spent the rest of the time doing the experience things um, and uh, meeting with people and kind of flew home pretty much knowing that was, that was it. Um, And uh, so, yeah, we were there by July of that year. So experience in March, moved up there in July.
0: So, uh, I want to back up. How, how did you find your time at Asbury? That's not a UMC seminary, right? It's, uh,
1: you know, I'm not sure officially what it is. I mean, it's, yeah. I think originally it might've been UMC. I'm not sure that they do that quite exactly
0: yeah.
1: now, but it was Methodist tradition. Yeah. Um,
0: you find that yeah. a stretch for you? Um,
1: uh, no, it was actually, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, I made a lot of great friends that um, I still keep in touch with. Um, and as I said, there was, it was probably the height of the Diocese of Central Florida sending seminarians there. So there was probably um, at least a dozen of us, not all, um, you know, some people just taking some classes or doing extra things, but um you know and and we had two episcopal priests there at the time um so you know i think the worship was a little bit different you know the eucharist was a little different but um the episcopal students uh got to host worship twice a, you know once every semester so that was always a lot of fun um to kind of do our do our traditions and things um and uh have wine not grape juice <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, I had, I had really great classes there. Um, and I, I really felt like it gave me this kind of, um, really balanced and, and well-rounded seminary education that I'm, I'm very thankful for that I, I don't, um, think, um, everybody gets to do. Um, I, I thought, um, They Asbury had a program called Mentored Ministry um, that was really great that I um, that I enjoyed and um, yeah so it was just it was it was a very welcoming community even though we didn't uh, live on a campus together Mm -hmm. um, we you know you would see a lot of the same people even even people that were would come down for weekend classes from out of state. You would see, you would still see the same people pretty regularly, um, but I will say that there's, it's just not quite the same as when you live on a seminary campus. Um, and um, I am very thankful at, that I had the opportunity to do that, um, even for just a year, um, because I think there is a different level of relationship that's built when you are. All pretty much together, twenty four seven, in that in that on campus um, community atmosphere of of a of a residential program at a seminary.
0: Hmm. That's what I found at CDSP, and then when I go on a retreat to one of the several different monasteries that I go to, I realize how um, life giving it is for me to be in a place where the whole uh the whole world that I can experience the, the uh the environment and the community is all shaped around worship. Mm-hmm. Not around like meal times or whatever's gonna be on TV or rush hour or you know all the stuff that we orient our lives around normally. Yeah. Um but like Everything is either before or after morning prayer or before or after Eucharist or before or after evening prayer. Yeah. Um, and everything is oriented around, you know, this kind of foundational Christian value of worship. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very refreshing. And very quickly I settle into that rhythm. And then when I leave it again, it, it feels like whiplash.
1: Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that was very much what we found that, yeah. you know, so at Nishoda they have um, the bell, Michael, um, that rings um, calling us to um, morning prayer and evening prayer. And it ring, uh, rings the Angelus at noon. And so um, that, that, it's something about that bell, um, kind of ordering your life around worship rather than an alarm clock or, you know, I mean, you can't get away from that completely, but your whole day becomes structured, um, around this, this bell that calls you into, um, into worship and, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah and I, I know the day that we left after our experience in nashoda um we had a uh, time to kill before our flight so we kind of left Neshota that morning and we drove into milwaukee and it happened to be st patrick's day um and so we were just kind of having fun in the city and you know um experiencing milwaukee and my husband looked at me at one point and he said I, we haven't been to church yet. I don't, I don't feel right. We have, we haven't been, we haven't done any <laughs> worship service and aren't we, aren't we at time for that right now? You know, so, I mean, even within three days, it just was starting to really sink into our very way of being. Um, and, and yeah, man, when you leave seminary after that and it, it's, it's like, uh, how do I, how do I get that? How do I keep that? in my everyday life. And it is, it is such a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And um, why I think I love going back to Neshoda, and um, why it's why some people don't like to leave.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now I've heard that some uh, women have a harder time than others at Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to yeah, talk about I'm, that? I'm or? happy to
1: speak <laughs> to that. So yeah, I, you know, I, I cannot say enough about my time there. I loved it. I had a really great experience, but I think I, I went in with my eyes open to, to all of that. Um, And I wasn't, um, I wasn't looking to go in and, and try to say, well uh, you know, it, it has to be this way. And, you know, I, I just kind of, I went in with the idea that I was there um, to be trained and to learn um, and, and that's very much what, what everybody is there to do. I did not have any issues. I can tell you the faculty and administration were amazing. Um, I still have regular contact with them. Um, they're some of, um, our, our not just my friends, but Daniel's and, and our children's friends. In fact, um, father Thomas Buchan, who is the uh, church history professor was the, one of the two Episcopal priests on staff at Asbury when I was there. Um, and, uh, he was an adjunct professor at Nashota. So he was, um, very encouraging as I was starting to explore, you know, what was coming next. Um, and as it so happened, he ended up interviewing for the church history professor position and getting it right before I was leaving to at, right around the time I got accepted to finish up there at Nashota. So, um, uh, he and his wife, Shelly, they have two kids and, and, you know, we had two kids at the time. And, um, and so kind of our families moved up there at almost the exact same time. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and um, Bishop Edward Salmon um, of blessed memory um, was my, was my Dean uh, then at the time at Neshota Dean president at Nishoda And, you know, it was just, we just, we just lived together. We just, we just did life together. We worshiped together. We ate together. We took classes together. Our families all hung out together. All of the students, um, you know, we'd, we'd have the single students down to eat with us at our homes. Um, and, um, we, we lived together in, in just a, a good sense of fellowship and, and respect. I did not have any issues when I was there. And I won't say that no one ever has issues because I know there are female students that have had issues, um, but I think that is few and far between. And I think um, you you get out of it what you want to put into it. And um, you know, if you if you come in there open to um to learning and being formed and growing, um, that's going to happen. So I, um, have a lot of wonderful friends and we have differences of, of views on a lot of things. Um, but we still remain good friends and, um, so yeah.
0: So, uh, somehow you got ordained out of that. So <laughs> somehow <when> did you... <laughs>
1: I did, I don't know. It's still a mystery to me, but yeah. here I am.
0: So you graduated from Neshota in what year?
1: 2013. 2013,
0: okay. Mm-hmm. In May or June, somewhere around there? May, yep. Yeah. When was ordination day?
1: Ordination day was in, uh, well, to the to the diaconate was um, 2013. And uh, so we, we flew home to Florida for that because that happened at the cathedral in Orlando. There was a group of us, um, in fact, who had all um, gone to Asbury together. Hmm. Um, and we, so we were all ordained. Um, and then one other who had done what I did, he was, he had been at Asbury with me and then came up to Neshota for the, for the third year. So, um, it was like four or five guys and me. (laughs) So
0: did you have any cold feet as you were, as you were approaching your ordination? Did you say, uh, I've made a horrible mistake? (laughs)
1: I don't think at that point. Um I think because it was just kind of such a whirlwind. You know, we were still living in Wisconsin. Um I was finishing up my clinical pastoral education. So I was actually we were actually staying into July. So we kind of flew back and there was the excitement of, you know, I'd been gone. We you know, as a family we'd been gone for a year. Um and, you know, flying back into town and seeing our family and friends. And, um, yeah, I, I think the most, um, the thing I remember about the day was trying to figure out how to button my stupid clergy collar
0: on. Yeah, like, yeah, they do not wedding. tell you how to do that. <laughs>
1: Florida in June, and I, you know, and I'm like, oh, what do I wear? And, you know, you're in this black suit and, like, you know, and uh, just sweating like, how does this thing button on? I don't know, but I figured it out.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, I had the professor at seminary show me how it worked. To the button in the front, and then the, the stud in the front, and then the longer stud in the back that flips up. Oh, uh, and it was yeah, the I same professor. <laughs> the same professor showed me how to use an amus, like that ties around mm-hmm. your neck and then under your arms, and then. Knots yep. together in the front. Um, yep, it's like very simple once you see someone do it, but yeah, they—it's a mystery. Yeah, I—I so I, I, I could I, not I,
1: figure out the back. Daniel was like trying to button it. Like, how does this go? I, don't
0: know. I normally wear a tab collar shirt because uh, it's just more comfortable for me. Yeah, um, and this one day, a couple of couple of months ago in youth group, I was one of the kids asked about it. And so I just pulled the collar out, and they like they it blew their minds like, whoa, so I mean it's just a little it's just a little strip of plastic that slides in, but yep, I guess it's kind of like magic,
1: yeah, they <laughs> nope. no they
0: didn't, yeah, yep, so ordination um you got ordained,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then what then you went off to.
1: Then uh, went back right and, and finished up, but I had already accepted a call um, at that point to serve as the curate at St. Luke's in Gladstone, New Jersey.
0: How did you wind so, up in New Jersey? Did they <laughs> not have a position available? Uh, in, in
1: I had park? been released, um, and um from uh, from Central Florida. Not that they didn't love me, or and I think um they're they're probably I don't know we were just sort of open to exploring all over and mm-hmm. um um so um the I remember there was a t- we were in the chapel of St. Mary's at Nashota and um someone came running up to me and they were like oh Megan Bishop Salmon's looking for you he wants to see you and you're like dun, dun, dun. why does the bishop want to <laughs> see me uh so I said okay and so I, I went oh, I went over to talk to him and he said. Um, have you, do you have a call yet? Are you, and I said, Oh, I said, no, we're still exploring and and talking to people. And he said, well, he said, there's a rector that I know um, from when he was Bishop of South Carolina. I got to say it right. When he was Bishop of South Carolina um, (laughs) and um, that uh, he had known there at that uh, was now um, Kent, father Kent had been uh, assistant um, in South Carolina and now he was rector of this uh, parish in Gladstone. Um, and he was looking for students that did not yet, um, uh, have a position. And, um, and so that kind of started that whole process of, um, you know, did a phone, had a phone conversation with him and, um, and kind of went from there. And then Daniel and I flew out, um, in April, I guess it was to interview out there. Um, and then, um, uh, probably right before graduation, um, we I was offered the, uh, the curacy. And so we, we accepted that call to New Jersey. So that was how we ended up in the diocese of New Jersey for two years.
0: So was that, uh, did you know it was two years going in? Did they hire yes. you for? Well,
1: Yeah. I mean, the, I was hired, uh, my letter of agreement was for two years okay. and, um, I don't think we went, we didn't, really go in with an expectation of specific time other than those two years. And then just kind of, um, figured we'd, we'd go from there and and see what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but it was at, um, uh, it was in the spring of 2015. Um, the, the position here, um, in at Holy Trinity in Melbourne was, um, they had just written up the job description um, and they sent it to me to just partially because they wanted me to consider it. They there'd always been a hope that I might come back um, after graduation, but I the position wasn't quite ready and I wasn't ready. I knew I really needed to kind of get out there and um, uh, see some more of the. Uh, wider Episcopal church, as it were. Um, so the rectors had sent me the description for this position um, here in in Melbourne. And, um, you know, I kind of read through it and Daniel and I talked it over. And, you know, sometimes he was like, well, maybe you should. And I would be like, mm, I don't really think this is right. And then I'd say, well, maybe, maybe. And he'd say, yeah, I don't know. Do we really want to go back to Melbourne? <laughs> so it was this sort of back and forth. And you know, I kind of, I kind of made the decision and and said no. You know, um, we wish you all the best, and I hope you get a great person, but I, I don't think it's me. And Daniel said, you know, they're probably not going to ask you again. And I said, no, obviously that's fine. Um, and um, so then we we ended up down here in June. By that point, we'd had baby number three, um, and uh, so we came down here in June to celebrate his first birthday with our families, and um, uh, we it was the end of the week of Holy Trinity's Vacation Bible School. So we were like, well, let's take the kids over to see their friends and everything. And so we went over to Vacation Bible School and Father Steve and Reverend Pam, uh, oh, everybody's all excited. Hey, how are you? And Father Steve looks at me and says, well, um, funny thing is we are interviewing for that position this week while you're here. So if lightning strikes and you want to interview, I still say it was a setup. He swears they didn't know when we were going to, that it just worked out that way. (laughs) So, (laughs) Uh um, So Daniel was like, what? And so we, then that, you know, so birthday vacation turns into, you know, days of discernment, like, uh, okay, is this, should we consider this? Should we talk about this? So, um, so we spent the next couple of days, um, praying about it and talking about it and, and, um, and decided that I, you know, I should at least talk to them. Um, and so I, I spent a couple of hours talking with them and, um, and they said, well, the committee, uh, uh, the search committee says they'd be happy to meet tomorrow if you want to come in and interview. (laughs) So, so I did. And um, I interviewed on a Tuesday. We flew back on a Wednesday. And Friday, they called me and offered me the job. So,
0: wow.
1: yeah. Yep. So,
0: it's like it's destiny.
1: It, <laughs> God works in mysterious ways that seem crazy.
0: So, what does uh, an assistant rector for pastoral care do? <laughs> what does that mean?
1: A lot of funerals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, OK. Well, it's well, it's Florida and it everyone from Florida, New Jersey right. and Rhode Island wind up in Florida. Yeah. For their final years.
1: Yeah, they they, they do. Actually, <laughs> I had a lot of prisoners when I was in New Jersey with uh, retirement homes in Florida. So, um, yeah, well, really, um, this position uh, came about um, the church had um, back in the 70s. Uh, thereabouts built um, there. It was a period of time when the Melbourne was really taking off, thanks to the space industry, um, and um, housing prices were soaring. And a lot of older retirees were finding that they could not afford um, the the rents. And um, so Holy Trinity, under um, the rector at the time, Father Alex Boyer, built along with HUD two housing apartment towers that were low income for senior citizens. And then in the early 80s, ended up building a third. Um, And over the years, the church had um, run them, basically, um, with a management company. Um, But it really just got to the point where it it was so much more than a, than a, even an, a good sized church could handle. They're very, uh, you know, large properties. Um, and it was really coming time for them to have things done that, you know, it was just too much for a church to be in the business of, of running apartment complexes. Um, so we actually, uh, the, the foundation board actually sold the towers to um, an organization um, out of, Boston called POA, Preservation for Affordable Housing, um, that, uh, because they wanted to keep it, the towers very much what they were always meant to be, which was low-income affordable housing for seniors. Um, and so that created this pool of money then, um, part of which went into a foundation, um, for the church, which, which funds my position as well as we have a faith community nurse. So, um our two positions are funded through that foundation um, with uh, a primary focus being on um, elder care and outreach, both at the church and within the the community.
0: So, do you get specific training in the pastoral care of older adults?
1: It's sort of been on the job training. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, most
1: know, of this is well, right. Really? It, <laughs> yeah. it very much is. Um, yeah, it's just been things that I've kind of, um, kind of learned over the years. It's the biggest thing that I, I think that I do is I listen. Um, I, I go and I visit our, uh, parishioners who are shut-ins, who are in assisted living communities, who are, um, in nursing homes, who are at Trinity Towers, who are in the hospital, um, and I bring communion, and um, and I visit with them. I listen to them. Um, I hear their incredible stories, and um, I think if I could say one thing about elder ministry, it's that it doesn't matter how long it has been since someone has been able to walk through the doors of of their church. Um, it is still very much their church, and um, and so to have people that come out to them that will bring them the bulletin from Sunday that will talk about the things that are going on in the parish that will um, talk to them about what's going on in their lives. Um, that That's vital.
0: Well, that's a good segue into, into this question, which is what is the greatest joy that you find in your calling in your work?
1: Oh, just getting to be a part of people's lives um, to, to share the gospel with them and to hear how um, their, their life in the church has impacted their lives as a whole. Um, I think what's so interesting about Melbourne and Holy Trinity is that Melbourne as a town and Holy Trinity as a church have really grown up together. Um, It was uh, the earliest founders of Melbourne that also started Holy Trinity. Um, And um, so there's this, there's this history and there's this connection and, um, you know, you'll, you'll meet someone who um, is coming to you uh, because you're going to do a funeral for their husband or wife or mother or father and they will tell you these stories about um their their earliest memories at Holy Trinity um you know um and and it's so fascinating um to to hear the way in which um Holy Trinity has really become uh, so much a part of their life so i just feel so blessed that people um are welcoming me into their lives in, in, in very difficult and vulnerable times. I mean, you know, when a, when a loved one is dying or has died and then you're called in, um, and, and to be a part of planning their funeral with them and, um, yeah, just, and, and hearing their stories and, and, um, and sharing, sharing Christ with them and working through, um, you know, grief and loss and, but also joy and, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's incredible. I sometimes think sometimes when I'm just sitting with people in their homes, like, well, I'm, I'm being paid to do this, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I was, I was just, I was at a prisoner's, um, the, the home of the mother of uh, some prisoners, and, um, it was a, it's a condo on the beach and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with her and she's at the end of her life and I'm looking out the window and it's just, it's so, this just incredible moment of peace as I'm watching the, the ocean waves just kind of roll in and I'm holding her hand and, you know, it was, it was just incredible. Um, you just felt. God's in this room. I'm looking out the window at God's creation of this, you know, immense ocean. And yeah, it was, it was really powerful.
0: So the converse, what's the hardest part?
1: Uh, Um, I think the hardest part is just, um, navigating two families, as it were, you know, um, hmm. being a mom with a, you know, with my own family and, and then our church family. Um, and it, it can be demanding, you know, um, it's, it's hard when you have to say goodnight to the kids and run out to a night meeting, um, or, you know, they're like, Oh, we're going to church again. <laughs> But, um, church last week, yeah, right. Why are we going again? Um, and but I mean, they they also, uh, I mean, they don't, uh, the little boys don't really know any different, they don't know mom before priesthood really um Declan was was two and a half when I was ordained and Kevin wasn't even born well Kevin actually when I was or, I was pregnant with Kevin when I was ordained to the priesthood so um yeah that that was funny the day after I was leaving to go to a conference and my husband and I were chatting on the phone and he said so do you feel any different and I was like um I don't know not really and he goes oh no the baby got the ontological change <laughs>
0: I was, I was wondering if that's how it worked.
1: Yeah, I get. I mean, that's, that's, yeah.
0: Not, not really an issue that the church had to deal with for a few thousand years.
1: I nope, guess. not, not really at all. So, but yeah. So, you know, I think, I think that's just, just kind of, um, working really intentionally to find the balance between, um, between vocation and and family, I mean, they do blend together in so many ways. And my kids are very involved, um, and and they have lots of friends, and you know, lots of extra, uh, lots of extra grandmas and grandpas and surrogate aunts and uncles around the parish. So, you know, I I could not ask for them to be loved any more than they are, and that's that's such an incredible blessing of 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 doing this, this crazy church thing is, um, is all of the ways that it, it blesses my children and our family. And, uh, yeah. And so very much what I had growing up that I am so thankful that they have too in terms of, you know, this, this community around them that really loves them and supports them.
0: How does your calling affect, strengthen, weaken, change, shift your prayer life?
1: Oh, you know, I I think it's different at any given time, because I think, I do think that clergy really have to be intentional in their prayer life. Because, you know, I I remember the second... um, Ember Day letter that I wrote to the bishop, you know, so our Ember Day letters we write when we're in seminary to the bishop at certain points in the year checking in. And I, I remember writing this one to him in um, around what, December, I guess. Um, and so it was the end of my first semester in seminary. And I said to him, um, you know, I feel like I'm in the Bible all the time but it's always for school. It's always with some specific purpose or requirement, which is not a bad thing because I'm in the Bible, but it doesn't feel the same as before I started seminary when I was in the Bible because I wanted to pick it up and read it and pray and study. Um, And he, he wrote back and he was like, something to the effect of like, yeah, good luck. This is what you're going <laughs> to, I mean, he didn't say it like, you know, that, that, but you know, um, basically he was saying, this is going to be the struggle of your ministry going forward is making sure that you are, um, finding ways to have, a, a prayer life and a devotional life outside of what you do for your ministry. Mm. Um, you know, so I think that's, that can be a challenge. Um, And, you know, but I mean, it it has good sides to it too, because I'm constantly thinking about, you know, um, thinking about being intentional. And, um, you know, I remember my rector saying to me that one of the hardest things is that it's difficult for clergy to really focus on the season that they're in because the minute you enter one season, you're already thinking <laughs> about the next, yeah. you know, literally, so here we are entering Lent, but we're already talking Easter and, and
0: yep. in the summer. Yep, yep. And
1: so, um, so yeah, I think there's a, um, there is a challenge, but also, but it's a good challenge, I think, to, to find ways to not just, pick up the Bible because I've got to write a sermon or I'm yeah. teaching a Bible study. I mean, it's all good because we're picking up the Bible. Right. But, um, but I need to do it for me as much as I need to do it for the congregation.
0: Yeah. actually, about two years ago, I, I um, made a conscious decision to have two different Bibles. So I've got my, yellow oxford annotated study bible that i use for work and then i've got my devotional bible it's exactly the same translation but it's i only use it for for prayer and just for reading with no structure for lectio for just opening randomly to a page and and i don't mix those two up um it's just for me because yeah, it's, it's very easy to blur like the professional and the devotional for clergy and um, you got to keep a little barrier.
1: Right. Because I think, yes, we have this vocation that is very much a vocation of, of prayer and worship and, but Um, that, and, and that is our calling. Um, and we obviously can still are still very much edified and and filled with that. But I think then also we, we are still, um, we still need our own time with God. That's just us and God, you know, we're not, we're not in the pews worshiping, we're, we're leading. Um, and so, um, I find the times when I, when I get to just go and sit in the pew, um really special it's it's hard to do um but um but i you know i know like the times that i've gone back to nishoda and just gotten to sit there and and i'm not even a student i don't even have to sit with the students anymore i'm just i'm just sitting um in in the congregation and it's it's just it's really great because it's like okay <laughs> i don't yeah. have to do anything nobody's looking at me i'm just worshiping and those opportunities are so few and far between that I really value them.
0: So we have a retirement community for the Roman Catholic, who are they? called The Franciscan order, sisters of the sorrowful mother, I think they're called. <laughs> We're gonna have to look that up, but they're here in Oskosh and they've got it like a retirement home with a chapel in the middle of it. Um, and they've got mass you know, four days a week or something. And sometimes I'll just sneak in there and sit in the back row. I don't go up for communion because yeah.
1: the,
0: <laughs> I respect the, the, the rules of yep. uh, the church. Um But I just sit there and I listen to someone else preach and I um, just absorb the prayerfulness of others with absolutely no responsibilities. I'm not leading anything. I, I'm just anonymous and it's, very freeing. Um, my spiritual director advised me to do that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Cause I just need to be in places where I am a novice or I have, <laughs> where I'm a beginner, um, participant. I'm not a leader. I'm not in charge of anything. I don't have mm-hmm. to be responsible for anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Awesome.
0: <laughs> what advice do you have uh, for other people who might be considering a call to ordained ministry?
1: Um, I guess I would say um, first and foremost, just listen, put, put yourself in a place where you can really listen um, to God and, and to the Holy spirit working on you in, in whatever way that is. Um, and, um, pray, but, but talk to people too. Talk to, um, uh, your clergy and, and talk to other people in ministry and just, just ask questions. I think for me, getting to talk to other priests, um, around the diocese, um, other priests that I knew in the larger church, um, and, um, and, and seminarians. Um, we, I was fortunate that we had, um, there was a seminarian in the church who had just finished up at Swanee. Um, so I was able to talk to her. I think, you know, that's, that's just a good opportunity to, to hear other people's thoughts and experiences on, on this calling and and what it's meant to them and um, um, their challenges and struggles. Um, and I think also I would, I would definitely say have a, have a prayer team built up around you, have people that are committed. When I, um, when I started seminary, uh, when I started the discernment process, really, even I, I asked people if they would commit to praying for me through the process. Um, and, um, and, and, and any day to know that there's people praying for you in the midst of all of this was, um, was really, um, strengthening. So, um, and, and I can still check in with those folks. And in fact, sometimes I'll still get cards, um, from some of them who say, you know, I still pray for you and your family. Um, and, and that's just, that's so incredible to know, um, that you've got this, uh, this prayer group surrounding you and and praying for you, um, and um, yeah, and and just you know, also I think um, one of the things that Daniel said to me um, at some point, you know, I think it was probably right before we went to Neshoda, he said that the biggest um, kind of testament to him that we were we were on the right track was how everything just always kept falling into place. You know, um, and, um, and so I would say, you know, and I've, I've heard those stories from people about when, you know, when they were in seminary and like, you know, needing something to happen, you know, needing to pay a bill and, and someone would just knock on their door and be like, Hey, <laughs> you were on my heart today. You know, um, the, all those, all those ways that, um, I think when we are being faithful to God's call, um it's not that there aren't challenges along the way and things aren't, don't have, you know, times of difficulty, but I do think when we are being faithful to God's call and, and, and walking in faith, um, everything does kind of start to, you, you can sense that it's, that it's right. I mean that's really how I felt ultimately once I,
0: you know, once I sat
1: down and typed out that midnight email or whatever time it was to um Reverend Pam asking her to meet with her from really from that point on I felt like this huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Um and I I could always tell um when I was moving in the right direction. Um and things would just you know happen and people would, you know, people would Come across my path or, you know, th- this thing would happen and, or that thing. And, and it just was like, okay, you know, this, this is right. This, this now is then, um, you know, I, I listened to the call and I'm, I'm following it.
0: All right. So the fun question right at the end, what, uh, what do you advise us, uh, for fun, a book, piece of music, movie? Uh, oh, t v show video game <laughs> uh, snack food oh gosh, what do you recommend
1: yeah, so um you know it's really hard when you're the only female in a house of four males um you don't get the remote a lot, there's lots of video games being played um there's lot, lots of stuff um but um gosh what what do we what do I like? Or enjoy. Um, hmm. Gosh. I'm trying to think like what I've watched recently or done recently or. Um.
0: Audiobooks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm so boring, Chris. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, okay. No, I'll tell you because it's sitting right there. there was something. All right. I'll tell you what it has become sort of like a little bit of a crazy obsession: woodwick candles. What?
0: Woodwick, woodwick
1: candles.
0: Candles. They
1: okay. they are candles that crackle as they burn. Oh. So when you when you live in Florida and you don't really get to have fireplaces or anything like that <laughs> um, I, I'm i sort of I, I burn them in my office and I burn them at home and they have a wooden wick and huh. so they crackle as they burn and,
0: and that, so I, you huh. showed it up on the little video screen that was English I, lavender
1: it, so this one's English lavender yep okay. I will not open the cabinet behind me and show you the ridiculous number that I have in there Um and now I've outed myself. So if my husband (laughs) listens to this, he's gonna know. I buy them at Ross. Um, but they're actually Yankee Candle is the parent company that owns them. So um but I buy them at Ross. Um and um yeah, so there's there's all different scents and because the wick is wooden, it crackles when it burns, and I just find it very peaceful. Um, so I love to light one of those and read a book or you know, just Yeah. Enjoy it in my office. So, so that's my bit of consumer, whatever.
0: (laughs) Well, I had no idea such a thing existed. We've got a Yankee candle outlet store here in Oshkosh. I might have to.
1: Oh yeah. You got to check out.
0: Okay. So Woodwick candles. Woodwick candles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The little logo is the little, the two W's connected there. Um, And um, yeah. So
0: available in a range of scents
1: in a range of scents. Wow. Yes. Yep. Do so they have Frank might even be able to get all the holiday ones on sale now. Oh. So
0: <laughs> Those tend to be my favorite. Anything that's like pine or fir scented.
1: Oh yeah. Sucker okay. for
0: those. All right. You are going to open the cabinet. <laughs> yep. This one was so great.
1: So they come, you can see they come in a range. They, they have the basics. So I had the fancy one a second ago. But this one was frozen fur.
0: Frozen fur, so okay. That's, so that's what I
1: was burning during December so okay. that I could, because it's really hard to get in the holiday spirit in Florida when it's, yeah. you know, 90 degrees and, you know, 90% humidity on December 23rd. Yeah, and just
0: like it was when Jesus was born, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. But you still put like fake snow all over the place and Santa with his reindeer everywhere, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. 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 That's yeah. I love yeah. that they, I love the um I love Lutheran satire.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
1: do the um they have the one about um the the two English vicars that want to write a Christmas hymn with Martin Luther. And he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, we can do that, but you can't do that thing that you you Anglicans always do." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "You know, with your with your snow and your animals and your silent night, and you know." So it's this whole back and forth. But just just go to YouTube, Lutheran satire. Uh, you know, Christmas hymn with Martin Luther or something like that, and you'll I'll find, find that. It. it. We'll is, put that
0: in there in the show yeah, notes.
1: Yeah always how, you know, our, our, our great Anglican hymns always have to talk about, you know, farm animals and silent yeah, night. Yeah, holly
0: and sheep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what uh, uh, of the uh, Woodwick Candle scents, what would be the go-to scent for Lent? Ooh,
1: that's a really good
0: question.
1: Hmm. You know, I I saw they they've got some. I haven't bought one yet. Where it's like layered. It's like three. So oh. like as it burns down, it's like different scents. And I so I know they have like sandalwood, and I don't know. Sandalwood seems like it might be a good Lenten smell. I don't know.
0: You yeah, can see that. Yeah. I'll have
1: to go and i have to go and check it out and see if they have any um any uh new sense and
0: walk into the store and just say, what candle would I buy if I want to replicate the burning away of my sinfulness and just see what they do.
1: A lot of blank stares.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for talking to me for this episode of this calling. We're going to wrap it up there. We have gone way over the hour that I thought we're going to spend, but you know, this has been happening. It's just good to talk to people about their life stories yeah
1: absolutely it's good to good to share the life story Um, yeah but it was fun thank you
0: thank you for listening to my conversation with Megan Farr. Again, if you'd like to get in touch with her, be sure to look in the show notes for links. You can reach me on Twitter at AppleTreePod, and on Facebook there's a page for Apple Tree Podcasts so just search for that and you'll be able to find it. Feel free to like and subscribe and review and share this with anyone who might be interested. All the same stuff you do with all your favorite podcasts. If you have any advice or suggestions about how I can improve this podcast, make it better for you, the listener, be sure to drop me a line and let me know. I would love to hear from you. The intro music is called Cheerful by Bird, Bird, Bird. And the closing music that you can hear in the background is called St. Mary's Falls by Tom Ganaway. I had to pick something with St. Mary in the title. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Chris Arnold, and I will talk to you next time on This Calling. Bye for now.